Good morning, Veritas. Morning, chilly morning, but uh, Dalton, did you add that little song at the end there? Just spun t- Dude, that was perfect. I love that song, and it was such the... It goes goes exactly with what we're going to be talking about, thus you did that, but just that that declaration. You want everybody to move in, Mike? Okay. Uh, There's a lot of people waiting for seats. Everybody could kind of squeeze into the center of whatever section you're at, just kind of move into the center. Then the ends are a little bit more obvious. That'd be awesome. How cool that there are that many people wanting to come out on a cold morning to hear the Word of God and to worship Him. So, man, welcome, you guys. Welcome. Everybody get bustled in and all that. Hey, real quick, a couple of quick announcements. Um, this week, both the men's and women's studies are, are kicking off. So um, that's, that's yet another way to, to dive in, maybe even take a little bit of a, a deeper dive into the word because you have this collaborative effort going on in both those environments. So both men's and women's studies are kicking off this week. And then the other announcement is that um, we're going to be having baptisms again. So as we've opened the book of Revelation, and as maybe even in these last couple of weeks, Christ has actually broken into your life, and, and you have embraced him, and the good news of the gospel that's it's come to your life, uh, that first step, once you've given your life to Christ, is to declare that through baptism, and so we're going to give you that opportunity. It's going to be in a couple of weeks, but this is the week to sign up. You can see that. So, Man, it's just one of the greatest services that we have as a church family is when we can celebrate hearing the stories of redemption and um, watching people get baptized. So I hope you'll take advantage. So we're going to uh, jump into our, our next message in the book of Revelation. If you're newer to Veritas, um, what we do is grab a book of the Bible, start going through it. We're now in the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. If you don't have a Bible, we've got those available uh, we just sell them at cost back there for 10 bucks. But even if you came and you don't have any money, just go get one. They'll give one to you for sure because we want you to learn with us. We've also got some uh, books that just have revelation in them and you can take notes and all that. Anyway, love to help you dig into the book of, of Revelation. But as we do this morning, I want to ask you, are you familiar with that um, little metaphor or analogy story of the cream cheese on the face thing? Here's what it is. Like if you're out for breakfast with some friends and you end up with a big glop of cream cheese on your face, you know, it's like hanging off your lip and you're literally the only one that doesn't know that you got a big glop of cream cheese hanging off your face, right? The only one that's going to tell you that you got cream cheese is the truest friend you have at that table, right? It's only the true friend that's going to point that out. Now, you've got a couple of different kinds of those friends, you know, one of those kinds of friends would be like, Dude, you got a bunch of cream cheese off you. You look ridiculous, you know. And you're, oh, let me shame you, you know. But at least that's a better friend than letting you go around, you know, the whole time without. Or maybe you've got the kinder, gentler friend that would be like, you know, you know, do the whole like kind of give you the silent thing, you know. But one way or another, the truest friend is going to be the one that that says, "Let me let me help you out. You, you, there's something wrong with you, and you obviously don't see it. I'm going to help you to see what you can't see." That whole thing is anchored actually in a biblical principle. I I want you to look. I've got Proverbs 27 on the screen here because this this is a beautiful verse. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. In fact, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. It's an enemy that just slobbers all over you and tells you whatever you want to hear, right? 
The truest friend you have is actually one that is willing to say hard things to you, even reprimand you, and tell you what's actually true, not just what you, what you want to hear. Guys, you need to hear this. You have no truer friend than Jesus Christ. There is no truer friend that you can count on than Jesus Christ. His love for you is, is so abundant that even, the Bible says, even while you were still sinning, Christ loved you. Like he's pouring out his love for you. But he's also that truest friend that is willing to tell you what maybe you don't even want to hear, but is absolutely true. In fact, the way that he's introduced to us in Revelation 1, if you, if you look back at, at chapter 1, uh, down in verse 5, where he says, um, this is from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Faithful witness, like, I will tell you what's true. That's what a witness is, right? We talked about this. A witness just says, look, here's what I've seen. Here's what I've heard. Here's what I know to be true. Doesn't matter what I think about it, I'm just going to tell you what's true. He's a faithful witness. That's Jesus Christ. The firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. But here's how much love he has. To him who loves us and set us free from our sins by his blood. You can't get a true friend that's willing to lay down his life for you. And so then when he becomes that faithful witness to speak boldly to you, man, we need to perk up and we need to, we need to hear. Jesus, you guys, Jesus will always, always shoot straight with you. You might have a lot of other people that you're wondering, like, are they being totally honest with me? I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will always shoot straight with you, and it's because he loves you so much. It's not because he's picking on you. It's not because you can never please him. No, it's because he loves you so much that he's willing to uh, not ignore the cream cheese on your face and to point out what is absolutely true. So here's my question this morning. Are you ready for Jesus to shoot straight with you? And I don't mean that in some abstract way. I'm saying, guys, you've gathered here today to open the Bible together. I think Jesus has a hard word for you. And I'm asking you, do you have a willingness for Jesus to say stuff to you that maybe nobody else is saying to you, but it's true? And we've got to be able to hear it and receive it. So with that in mind, I'd love for you to stand with me. I want to read this letter to the Laodiceans that we find in in chapter 3. And we can read it together, but will you stand with me? And actually, rather than pray after I'm done reading, I want to pray right now before we read. I'm going to start reading in chapter 3, verse 16, but um, or 14, whatever that is, that little number that I can't see without my reading glasses on. Um, but I, I just want to pray. So will you join me in prayer? Jesus, even before you speak, We want you to know that we really do want to hear you, Lord. We do. We, we tell ourselves just lies and convince ourselves of things that really aren't true. And then, Lord, it's just our, we're going to say what's true. We surround ourselves with people that just kind of build us up. They just tell us what we already think to be true, but it's just not. So it's a scary thing, but Lord, we're willing to pray it. Lord, will you reveal to us what is true? Will you be that faithful witness into our lives? We want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church and to us as an individual standing here, Lord. So open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts, our souls 
to really receive your word. Jesus, we pray this because we believe that's what you want for us in your love, and we join you in wanting that for ourselves, so we come to you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let me read for you. Starting in chapter 3, verse 14. Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich. I become wealthy. I need nothing. And you don't realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I advise you, buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. White clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed. And ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous, repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. I'll eat with him and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. This is God's word. You may be seated. All right, to help us out a little bit, I want to give us just a little bit of historical background about Laodicea. I think think it'll put some things into place. Some things will really drop into place through this passage when you hear a little bit about this uh, city of Laodicea. One, it was incredibly wealthy. You guys have all those seven churches, and in, in fact, you could include a whole range of cities around the Roman Empire. Laodicean was in that like top 1% of riches, extremely wealthy. They had a whole commerce. They had their own banking system. They, they had so much commerce. They, they were kind of at a crossroads of some major trade routes that would come through. So they had this, this is a very fluid economy, just riches everywhere. One of the things that they had specifically as people were co- crossing through and, and stop, stopping by Leo to see what they really wanted was this uh, really rare black wool. And even now, uh, scholars are, are, are a little confused as to how they got it so black. And so it was like black as sable, but really soft. And so they would make these incredible textiles. Some incredible clothing was made from this very rare black wool. So very ex- extravagant and expensive, and people would come from all over. Uh, but here's the crazy thing. On the other end of that spectrum, they had a research hospital. That whole medical school in Laodicea. And one of the things that, that was preeminent there was they had this eye salve. They had created this eye salve that sometimes was curative and at the very least was often just bring like relief to these common eye maladies that were going around in the first century. And, and Laodicea was the place that you could go and find relief and sometimes a, a full-on cure for your, for your eyes. So you can see where this is going, right? How many of these things are like pinpointing that Jesus talks about. But here's the one thing. Uh, on the T-bar of pros and cons about Laodicea, on the con side, really big and bold, they had terrible water. Terrible water. So they had a neighboring city, Hierapolis, that had these hot springs, and it was almost like a spa treatment kind of place. You could go there for the cure. In fact, so many people went there, they started building temples around all these hot springs, everything. You can go there today to Hierapolis and get in these hot springs. Really cool, really extraordinary. 
On the other side, they had Colossae. We've got a, a letter to the Colossians in, in our Bibles. Colossae was known for its beautiful spring water. It's just so good to taste and fresh and cold and these wells all over. But Laodicea, terrible, terrible water. In fact, they had, they had no water source for themselves, so they had to use the Roman aqueduct system, which if you know anything about ancient world, the Roman roads were incredible, but the Roman aqueducts, pretty, pretty incredible. But they were so far away from the source that by the time the water got to them, it was like this lukewarm, gross, and had collected enough sediments along the way that it was just like, oh, you know, one, one scholar said it was not just impure, it was a medic, a medic. Okay, so I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up. But a lot of you are doctors and nurses in this room. You know what a medic is. You know what it means? It makes you puke. It's what you give to people to make them puke, you know? So it's like, you're like, oh, can I get a glass of water? And you're like, and you all of a sudden have this gag reflex or you just want to vomit when you, like, I'm not trying to pick a fight here, but think Coralville water, <laughs> like, right? You know what I'm saying? I lived in Coralville. I get it. Like, this is the only place I've ever lived where I had to buy drinking water. I'm like, what am I, buying water? Like, it's just, anyway, but it was worse than that. Okay, sorry for everybody that I've just now offended and you're going to leave mad. Um, it, but it's just true, but way worse than Coralville, okay? And everybody knew it, the way people talk about Coralville. Everybody knew, Laodicean, oh, it just makes you sick, right? Okay, think about, though, I go into this because think about the specificity that Jesus is talking about when he writes this letter. He's not writing some abstract letter just generally to people out there. <laughs> when you start going through this letter and you realize how many things, he's like pinpointing just nailing precisely that particular church, that particular people. Remember when we said in Revelation 1 where Jesus is walking around the lampstands, his churches, and he's watching, and he's listening, and he knows, like the most common phrase through this, all these letters, I know, I know. Well, he knows exactly what's going on in Laodicea, right? The riches, the adornment, the ISAV, the water, he knows it all. Bring that with you now as, as we review a couple things. Look at the way he introduces himself. Okay, verse 14. Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works. The originator of God's creation, the one who made you. Look, if there's anybody that really knows you, it's the one who made you formed you, right? This is the originator of God's creation. He even puts the amen on the front of this whole thing. Usually we say amen at the end of prayers. What it means is, yep, make it so, that's true. He puts the amen on the front side because he's like, look, this is true. I'm the one that made you, okay? What I'm about to say, amen to it. I made you, right? And, and I'm faithful and true witness. I'm going to tell you what's true. I'm going to tell you exactly what I see and exactly what I hear. So this, this is the first thing I want to point out as we're going through this. Guys, Jesus can be trusted. So we need to listen to what he's saying. It, the way that he introduces himself, he's kind of calling us to attention. He's trying to say, I see, I know. And guys, you can trust him, okay? He is a faithful and true witness. He's going to tell you what's right. So, I just need you to know, guys, it is true what I said about the Laodiceans. The Laodiceans were known for being proud and just, it just, they reeked of self-sufficiency 
and arrogance and pride. So much so, guys, this is how self-sufficient they were. In 60-ish AD, there's a terrible earthquake that went through that whole valley. It's, it's, it's kind of a volatile region. And there was a lot of damage in all the cities all around. All the other cities around Laodicea received help from Rome, from the empire, federal funding to help rebuild. When they came to Laodicea, Rome offered federal funding to help them rebuild. And they're like, no, we got this. We don't need your money. Like, so arrogant, they would say to Caesar, keep your money. We got this, right? And rebuilt their city. by their, That's how self-sufficient they were. But guys, that's not the problem that we're encountering here. Their arrogance... That's not the problem. The problem is not Laodicea. The problem is, guys, the real problem, that that cocky self-assurance had bled into the church. This is not a letter to the city of Laodicea. It's to the church in Laodicea, right? To the church of Laodicea. That's what he's saying. It's not about them out there. It's time for us to realize he's talking to us in here, right? Because look, look at what he says there um, in verse 17. For you say, I'm rich, I become wealthy. He's not talking about your neighbors. He's saying, I'm listening in on the church of Laodicea. You guys are the ones saying, oh, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I need nothing. Look at that, I underlined that twice. I need nothing. Okay, the big question for you. If Jesus tells you something this morning, like if he points something out and and like no one else is telling you that it's true, are you willing to hear him? Now, I, I don't want to keep this in the abstract. I'm asking you seriously. If Jesus this morning tells you something, points out something, and nobody else is saying it, are you going to choose to believe him? That's the way he's introducing himself to the Laodiceans. They're all self-congratulating, getting into an echo chamber. Everybody else is congratulating them and telling them what they want to hear. Jesus is like, I want to be the faithful and true witness. Will you hear me? And I'm saying, guys, Jesus can be trusted Please listen, because that brings us to the second point that that I think I I, I need us to consider this morning. You are actually in greater danger than you could ever imagine. We have a sense of self-assuredness, self-confidence, but I'm telling you it's true. You're in greater danger than you could ever imagine. I want you to look back at, at, at verse 15. I know your works, he says, right? You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you're just lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Just like the water in your city. Look, I wish you had hot springs. Like, that's good. That water, you know, bubbling over, therapeutic, that's good. Water in Colossae, oh, cold, it's really good. That's good. He's not saying, some people, when you, when you first read this, might think, oh, he'd rather have you be really hot, you know, white hot for Jesus, or just cold, just totally. Well, no, when would Jesus ever commend us to be cold toward him? <laughs> no, what he's saying is, those are both useful kind of waters. Your water, it makes me sick. It's emetic, right? It, it, it makes me want to vomit. Now, I, I want to point, <laughs> this is, 
really crazy to me because they're saying to themselves, I need nothing, right? Back, back in verse 17 again. But here's what he says, but I want to, here's what's really true. You don't realize that you are, and look at this list of words at the end of verse 17. You don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind. You're actually naked. So some of you have been reading through uh, a Bible reading plan. Uh, maybe, maybe you've even jumped onto the app that we suggested, and so you're going through the Gospel of Luke. Some of you are in Matthew, whatever. Let me ask you a question, though. Whenever Jesus encounters somebody who is actually poor or pitiful or blind, how does he treat them? When he meets somebody that's in that condition, how does he treat them? Okay, just some low-hanging fruit. I've been going through Luke with the thing. I love the, the way we're going through Luke, Luke 5, about a week and a half ago, Luke 5. Jesus is, is just being crowded around with people that need him and need healing. Well, there's this one guy who's paralyzed. He can't even get up and get himself to Jesus, so his friends put him on the, the uh, mat. You remember this? And, and they carry him. Uh, to Jesus, but they can't get through the crowd because there's so many people. So what do they do? They get up on top of the roof and they dig a burrow a hole, right? They drop him down in Jesus. And Jesus just sees this guy who is truly poor, pitiful, miserable, cannot help himself, right? Did Jesus look at him and be like, get this, this guy makes me sick. Get him out of my sight. Is that the way he treated this guy? No. He's like, man, I am so glad to see you. You know what he calls him? Friend. That's the first word that comes out of Jesus' mouth toward this guy. Friend, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says this, get up, take your stretcher, go home. Can you imagine, like, Jesus is not only not repulsed by poor, wretched, you know, useless by the world standards people, he's like a gravitational pull toward them and gives them life and calls them friend. A couple chapters later, maybe a week ago, Luke 7, Jesus being dined by this rich dude, and a woman comes in. I love the way uh, Luke says, a woman who was a sinner. Okay, now we all know what that means, right? Like wink, wink. We know exactly what this woman was and what she did. But I love even the respectful way Luke refers to her. A woman who was a sinner. Even speaking to her with such, such respect and dignity, right? Why? Because she understood how wretched she was. And so she falls at Jesus' feet and she's pouring perfume and she's crying, washing her, his feet and with her tears, wiping them with her hair, Jesus says to her, I tell you, her many sins, she was loaded with sins. She's a wretched, pitiful woman. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Guys, Laodiceans, the one who is Forgiven little, loves little. Well, how about this? How about people who think there's no need for forgiveness at all? It's not just that they've been forgiven little. They're like, I don't need to ask forgiveness. I'll never ask for forgiveness because I got it. I'm rich. I'm good. I got it all, right? Here's what I'm saying. Guys, Jesus is the one who loves us and sets us free from our sins by his blood. He's saying, come to me, come to me. I, I want to help those who are poor, pitiful, wretched, that whole list of things, that's who he's normally drawn to. Here's the problem. He's talking to a group of people who are like, I don't need anything. I got my own ISAF. I'm not blind. I got it. I don't need your riches. I got loaded up. I got all that I need. I am so content with myself. And the one who says, I need nothing, 
is actually the one that Jesus says, you make me want to puke. Those are strong words. You make me sick. So he comes back, though, in verse 18. Look at, look at the start of verse 18. I advise you to buy from me. I advise you. Okay. Jesus is saying, look, I'm not going to force myself on you right now. Can I offer you some advice? Here's the question you guys always have to ask yourselves. Who are we getting advice from? Here is Jesus saying, I'm willing to offer you some advice, okay? So just think about this. Think about the person, and maybe you're one of these. You're coming in because you're saying, man, I need somebody to help me out. Do you see anything wrong with me? Like you actually ask the question out loud. Do you, anybody, do you see anything wrong with me? Well, if you ask that question going into the church in Laodicea, here's what you'd hear. No, dude, are you kidding? You look great. Look, you got a great job. It's a great place to live, isn't it? Man, you, you got the world by the tail, man. I, nice new black sweater. Is that Lululemon? I like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's this, well, no, you're, you're good, you're good. But then you come back, you're like, yeah, but yeah, I dig my sweater too, but I, I feel empty. It doesn't, it's not satisfying. I feel empty right now. If you walked in and said that in this church, they'd be like, no, dude, dude, you got to hear last week's sermon. Did you hear Pastor Demetrius? Pastor Demetrius, he threw it down. He said, man, no, every time you start feeling that way, you got to look in the mirror. You got to say, I am the measure of my worth, right? I'm worthy. That's what I say. I'm worthy. You look in the mirror every day. I'm the measure, okay? I'm looking at myself and I say, you're worthy, right? Yeah, but I feel like I'm not actually in charge of this. I feel like I'm going to, I feel like I've got to answer for this. Don't you guys feel like you're going to have to answer for this? No, dude, did you miss the podcast? You got to check this out, dude. Here's the thing. If you ever start taking things just too seriously, just remember this. We're just talking monkeys on an organic spaceship flying through the universe. I'm going to answer for anything. Ah, stop thinking like that, right? Okay, true confession. Those last couple responses actually came as I looked around on podcasts and from Laodicean preachers that a lot of Christians actually feed on. Those are actually quotes. <laughs> That's what Laodiceans tell each other. That's what the church of Laodicea feeds people, even within the church, not just those people out there, okay? The people in here. But here's the true friend. Here's Jesus coming in and saying, actually, I'm going to tell you the truth. So if you've just read through these, these short little letters, these seven letters right here in the beginning, let me ask you a question. Are you involved in sexual immorality? And by sexual immorality, I'm saying, are you having sex of any kind with somebody who is not your covenant partner for life, that you've stood before God and given a covenant promise to be with that one person for this year? Are you... Are you having sex right now with somebody that's not your husband or wife? Because you might have everybody else be like, dude, that's okay. You're, you're practically married anyway. And you might tell yourself this and have other people tell you that, whatever. Here's what I'm saying. Jesus is willing to say, you're wrong. That's sin. And it'd be for your good to hear it from my lips. That's what Jesus would say. How about your riches, right? That's another common thread through these, and especially with Laodicea. Are you rich toward God, or are you just rich? 
this doesn't have to be abstract. Okay, we're in tax season right now. Here's what you have to do. This, this is so, like, you don't have to be some therapist for this, right? Look at everything that came into your hand, right? How much did, how much came to you from the hand of God? And how much did you actually contribute back toward God or toward anybody that has less than you? <laughs> how much actually flowed through you toward others? That's the measure if you're just rich or actually if you're rich toward God, don't fool yourself. Make this very concrete, right? Because Jesus is looking at you saying, look, I know nobody else is willing to say this. I'm willing to say, you're wrong. Are you holding on to the word? Right, another common theme through all these letters. Are you holding on to the word? Are you feeding on the word? Are you letting Jesus be the North Star, constantly course correction? Because you're seeing stuff in the Bible that's changing the way you think. Is your heart becoming cold toward God? Or are you actually warm toward God and relationally connected to all, all these different things. What has the Spirit been telling you, Veritas? What has the Spirit been telling you as you've been sitting there and hearing God's Word coming over you because you're saying, if, if you're just saying, look, I'm, I'm rich, I'm good, I got it, I got it. The sinful woman found hope, the paralyzed man found hope. Here, here's what he's saying. Look, look, look at verse... Um, 19, no, 18, back in 18. I advise you, he says, here's what I advise you. Here's, here's my advice. Buy for me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. White clothes so you may be dressed in your shameful nakedness, not be exposed. Ointment, my ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may, may see. Buy for me. You know what he's doing? I, I'm telling you guys, remember we said a couple weeks ago that um, there, there's all these allusions to the Old Testament. This is a direct beeline back to Isaiah 55. Here's what Isaiah 55 says. Here's what Jesus is, is referring back to. This invitation. Come, everyone who is thirsty. Are you thirsty? Then come. Come to the water. It just says, invitation, please, please, come to the water without silver. Come, buy and eat. Wait a minute, you just said buy, but I don't have... Right, come by wine and milk without silver and without cost. But he keeps saying, come, come, come. Look, why do you spend your silver on what is not food, your wages on that that does not satisfy? You know that, right? You, you get it all, you get the new sweater, you get whatever, and you're like, oh, actually, I thought that would make me so happy, and it continues to collapse in my soul. I'm not truly satisfied. Listen carefully to me. Look at that word. Listen carefully to me to eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention. Come to me. Listen so that you will truly live. So the last thing I want to say based on, on what he just said there, guys, Jesus is trying to wake us up. Will you? Jesus is, is standing there. He's yelling, will you wake up? Just, just picture, like, we're all, this is the church of Laodicea, and we're all just hearing what we want to hear and patting ourselves on the back. Other people, hey, can you pat me? Yeah, thanks. I need a pat on the back. You know, we're all just filling this echo chamber of what we want to hear, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, do, wait, do, you, do you hear Jesus? Is he, is he outside? I didn't even know he left. <laughs> wait, is he? Are you going to be one that's like, shh, shh, shh I, want to, I want to hear Jesus now. That's what he's, because he's saying, come, come. They don't even realize he's not even in the room anymore. 
He's not even welcomed into the conversation, but he's saying, but I actually haven't left. I'm just outside. And if anyone will hear me, if anyone will hear my voice and come, man, I just want to come in right now. I want to bust through the door. The minute you touch the door, I'm, I'm in, man. I, I want to sit with you. I want to have a meal with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to call you friend, right? I want to forgive you. Are you thirsty? Will you welcome me in? It says, be zealous and repent. Now, here's the deal. I, I don't want to assume that we all know what the word repentance means. It's pretty important. Like, if he says, this is the key to the welcome, is be zealous and repent. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I think, summed up great what repentance truly is. So let, let this land, okay? Repentance means that you realize you're guilty. Stop right there. You're guilty. I'm not talking about the sins of the whole world. I'm not about people out there. Repentance starts with this. You realize you're guilty, a vile sinner in the presence of God that you deserve, you deserve the wrath and punishment of God, that you are hellbound. It means that you begin to realize that this thing called sin is in you. You long to get rid of it. And you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost. You take up the cross. You, you chase it. You go after Christ. Your nearest and dearest in the whole world may call you a fool. Say, say you have some kind of religious mania. You may have to suffer financially, but it makes no difference. That is repentance. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. But guys, look at the invitation. That's been the thing that has been just gripping my soul all the way th th this week as I keep reading this over and over is the loving, glorious invitation. Come. You, you can't imagine how much I want to welcome you to my table. You, you can't imagine how much I love you and want to just speak truth for your good and for your joy to bring you forgiveness. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, uh, nah. In fact, my friends are telling me, I, I got to get away from these people that have all these repressive voices trying to pull me down. I, no, 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 I got to, no, la, 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 la. I can't, I can't listen to that stuff. I'm good. Jesus would never tell me that I need to give up. Guys, this thing called sin is in you. And you need to get rid of it. And Jesus is willing to, say the hard thing, and with such joy and expectation, he's saying, man, just let me in. And then he ends, let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Will you stand with me? I want to give you a moment before we, uh, before we worship. Man, let's just, let's just go to Jesus in prayer together right now. And, and I don't know about you, but this is a hard word. Will you with me? Just, just put your hands out, just palms up. It, it's just, just to let even your body say out loud, I'm in a posture of submission. I actually want to receive from you, Jesus, whatever it is.
the Holy Spirit is, is so active and so able to make you feel right now like, like you're the only one hearing his voice. Let him speak. Let him speak. Jesus, you know us so well. You, you, you hear us. You watch us. You, you created us, Lord. Oh, we trust you. We trust you. What, what are you saying right now? We, please, Jesus, we'll, we'll hear you. We'll receive it. Because on the other side of repentance is joy. In fact, we step through and there's no condemnation. No. What we find is forgiveness. If we will just admit it. Just say what is true. Let you point at the cream cheese on our face and we'll say, oh man, yeah. Gotta get rid of it. Jesus, thank you for being the one who loves us so much, so, so much. You see us exactly the way we are, and you still hold an invitation open for us. Give us courage right now, Lord. Give us courage to say yes to you, Jesus. Give us courage to come and say, actually, we're thirsty and we're broke, and only you can satisfy Fill us, Lord, as only you can do. And fill this place with the kind of worship that you deserve because you satisfy.